When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 100. Say it with me, Steve. That is a huge milestone, man. How is it going over there? Good, yeah. Cannot believe that we are at episode 100. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think we've missed a week of this show. Maybe maybe one I know we do every other week in the offseason, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is like... What close to our durability is up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not uh, not skipping starts. Yeah, it's like playing uh, 162 games. I know that's a rarity uh, these days, but um, not that you know it takes as much skill to to do this as as it would to be playing in the majors or anything like that. But it's still awesome. I mean, hey, we had the we had the birth of your child, you know. Yeah, weddings. yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've recorded and and I personally know I've recorded in like eight different states. Uh, packing the gear up in like a wine angel, like padded thing for the, for my microphone. So, yeah, we've been through thick and thin a little bit, but yeah, I, I ended up getting the actual case for uh, for the microphone, which has been it was cheap. It was but it's been one of my best purchases for uh, for for the podcast purposes, anyway, at least. But yeah, I mean, it, it's been great. You know, getting the listeners, getting to know you doing this show um i know we'll get into it later and have some fun with it but you know thanks for listening to all 100 episodes thanks to nick and pitcherless for giving us a platform to do this for 100 episodes uh i did not think that this would become of this not that you you know you don't even think of it but to to actually see the number 100 next to a podcast that you do is is pretty special so uh and, and couldn't do do it with anyone else uh than, than you beside me as my podcast partner. So uh, shout out to you, shout out to WAF, shout out to Picturelist. Uh, it, it's it's awesome. Yeah, well said. Thanks to, to Adam Howe, our, our podcast manager. Thanks to Nick Pollock, like you said, for, for the platform. And, of course, most of all, thanks to all of our listeners. Uh, it is an absolute privilege, and it started out uh, nerve-wracking in this open, crazy adventure. And week after week, it just feels like, more fun and more comfortable to just get on here and talk baseball, Steve. I know we kind of laugh about our, our sign-off. Nick laughed about it on thanks for talking baseball with us, but it, it truly is uh, something that's it's very cool in the moment, and it just feels, like all things with baseball, like it will get better and better over time with with more tradition and more legacy behind it. So we will get into plenty and we had to to deviate from the the typical intro to to just celebrate 100 the back half of today's show we are going to get into some really fun kind of loose discussion we've got the all-time waff team where we're going to go through each position and talk about our waff guys 
I've got a little surprise in store for you, Steve, that I'm gonna that I'm gonna run through. I think you'll get a kick out of, as will all of the listeners. But of course, we are here to talk fantasy baseball and and give advice that hopefully can help you win your league, which is the mission of Wins Above Fantasy. And that's that's what we're gonna do for the first half of the show. So we got a, a good mix of kind of shallow league targets that we feel might be under-rostered, some guys who are kind of bouncing back, uh, then some guys for, for deep league formats as well that are rostered in, you know, 20% and even much less in leagues. But it is uh, May 18th, Thursday. We are recording this on Tuesday, so there's a couple show notes we'll kind of call out when there's been action, notable action on Wednesday that you guys probably need to check but as always, you guys can follow us on Twitter at Wins Above Pod. I am at Van underscore Verified, and Steve is at Stav8818. Uh, Steve, I think we're keeping it pretty straight up on the first half here, just looking at players we're looking to add or at least evaluating players who are kind of on that who's being added list. What are your thoughts in general about kind of this, this time of the season? I, you know, I know it's kind of a mixed bag between – there's some prospect stashes. There's some exciting names that come up. Uh, but it also feels like we've, we've talked about on recent shows, there's kind of that second chance on players that might have been given up on early mm-hmm. in the year. Uh, where do you find yourself mentally th- this time of the year? I know you and I are even texting like a Reed Detmers, who I was excited to draft. I haven't dropped him yet, but it does feel like it's getting close. And, and that to me is like a microcosm of this you know, mid-May second chapter of the season where it is kind of a shift of thinking versus that initial scramble throughout the month of April. But what are your thoughts kind of high level? Looking back at episodes and, and our tweets about the episodes that come out, um, when I was putting together some stuff for some segments that we'll do later in the show, I, I noticed that the last three Mays, um, we've sort of around this time of year we've we've done like our drop shows each year so um people start to drop players um hot starts start to cool off and and guys that you think uh you know are league winners in april um when the calendar turns may those start to start to cool and and people move on rather quickly at least for guys that don't have a good track record and with that comes opportunity um so maybe it is good that we we look at the ads first and then maybe maybe next week or, or the week after we can diagnose uh once we get to you know closer to june uh okay is it actually time to give up on a player or not mm-hmm. um and, and this year is just so strange uh it's just crazy again with the run environment it's just so inconsistent year to year last year was a dead ball this year there's like no good pitchers. Uh, just it's seemingly like every night in the Discord on the pitcherless Discord, people are just saying like, "What is going on? All of my starters are getting blown up everywhere," and it does seem like that. So um, I'm, I'm glad we have some some pitchers on here that we we could highlight that it could potentially be um, some good ads. So uh, yeah, may, maybe it's 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 nice to rather than. Now that it's May 16th as we record this, um, rather than thinking about who to drop, it's, it's oh, okay, um, you know, maybe maybe this guy is a potential fill-in for a streamer or um, some position depth uh, rather than 
you know, scrambling to make a trade or selling low on a guy, um, these could be the answers. Yeah. Um, because it, it is sort of a transition period, like you said. Um, we have six and a half weeks of, of games now, so not nothing. Um, like, like we said last week, it it's we're we're well past that small sample. One game changes a line completely for a guy, so we're kind of into it. For sure, I, th- I think really this is like the start of the second quarter, if you will. When you look at like pitchers, most of them have like eight games started. Mm-hmm. You know, you're looking at like 30 starts throughout a season, so we're we're in it for sure. And to your note on maybe a, a drop show on the next episode or something, I think that's good too because some of these guys, it's like with a couple exceptions, these aren't the ones that are going to vanish off of the waiver wire in an instant. These are guys that you really can watch list or you know t- at least wait for their next start for pitchers because and watch it closely from there. But it, it's like we've talked about in past shows with the exception of like, a Yuri Perez, you know, some of the guys we're talking about here, they're out on the wire for a reason. Either their underlying metrics don't look great or they're in a, you know, bad run environment or lineup context. So there's a reason a lot of these guys are out there. But, you know, the kind of development, even within a season, isn't always linear. And sometimes you see pitch mix changes. Sometimes you see guys who start to put it together and it just ends up looking like April was a cold month. So, yeah, I think they can be watchless guys, and then when it truly is time to drop, you know, whoever that guy is who's a hair pulling experience so far, then you know you've got a short list of who to add. So, uh, with that said, we will jump in, and we're kind of bouncing around here. But the first one, who is in a way a pitch mix changer, is Mr. John Gray, and this is kind of a shallower league name that's out there because sixty eight percent rostered, so. Probably available in 12 teams, might be floating out there on like 14, 15 man teams or 15 team leagues. But John Gray is kind of an interesting use case because we had some excitement going into the season. He was being drafted around like 190, 200, but he was viewed as a sleeper in that range. He had a nice year last year with the 25.7% K rate, sub 8% walk rate, and, you know, a lot of excitement with. You know, the, the Rangers rotation, everything they had going there. Now he starts this season and it did not look good, even though kind of the surface numbers ratio wise were passable. He looked like he was kind of getting lucky. The swing and miss stuff was not there at all. And in the past couple starts, there were some tweaks that possibly deserve our attention. So it, against Oakland on the road, which is a caveat, and against uh, the Mariners on the road, Gray had 15 innings with 13 strikeouts, just one earned run, and a .6 whip. So two really nice outings for John Gray. We know if he can get it going, he's a guy who should give you some volume, which is great. And in terms of the pitch mix, he did swap out what was his sweeper slider, which was kind of new, and went back to kind of his former, you know, I've seen it called a bullet slider. But he's throwing that and talking about it in his last two starts, and so far, so good. And, and you know, the strikeout rate still probably isn't up to where we'd like to see it for Gray. But he does get Rocky Road on the next start. So this could be a chance for, you know, basically finding some some gold that we were hoping for on draft day. But then a lot of people moved on from, uh, myself included. I've dropped Gray and since added him, picked him back up for Brandon Fott. 
um, who himself had a nice little bounce back start. But your thoughts on John Gray, Steve, are you seeing enough here or do you think this was kind of beaten up on the athletics, taking advantage of being in Seattle and you need to see more before you're, you're getting hopeful? Yeah, um, I think I might be using this run to sell. Um, I, I am looking at the pitch mix change. It is nice that he's thrown the slider more um, over the last two games and the fact that he went to, I guess, the gyro slider rather than the, sl- the sweeper um, that maybe he's more comfortable with and therefore he can, he can throw it more. Um, but taking a step back and just looking at the picture on the whole, he has a 17.4% strikeout rate. That's the worst of his career other than, you know, a 39 inning sample in 2020. Um, he has uh, an extremely high left on base percentage and a low BABIP. So the luck numbers are in his favor, a 230 BABIP and 84% left on base percentage. And the whiffs just aren't there. Um, it, it, it's a 10.4 swing strike percentage, which is his lowest in a full season since 2017. So I, I think this might be a product of the fact that he faced Oakland and Seattle on the road. Um, Seattle is a decent offense, but I know like Julio Rodriguez is struggling. They aren't, you know, I, I, I'm not really afraid of them right now. Um, I think that I would hope that he does well in the, the Colorado start and then maybe try to flip him for something um, if someone buys into it. Like the ERA indicators all scream regression. I know it's a 3.15 ERA uh, after those nice two starts, but it's a 4.92 X ERA, a 5.15 FIP, a 4.89 X FIP, 4.99 Sierra. So, you know, everything under the hood uh, does not look good. That said, you know, it wasn't good before these two starts and something may have changed. Um, so, you know, if, if you want to give it a little bit longer than, than just that rocky start, um, uh, I, I get it because maybe there that, that change, you know, and, and something clicked. And, and the, as long as the whiffs continue to go up, I, I would be okay with yeah. it. But um, well, if they don't, the, the, the yeah, start, I'd look to sell. The Rocky start you gotta should, have yeah, that. and yeah. that should be a good indicator where he, you know, the watch the whiffs closely, right? Even beyond the mm-hmm. K numbers, because Nick Pollock on on the the list uh, that came out this week, his write up, he talked about how the velocity peaked, the slider was four ticks harder, um, and yeah, he moved up like twenty eight spots on the list. Granted you know, Rocky road this week, but if the whiffs don't look good, but the results good against the Rockies, it is a really good point that it could be a nice time to sell high on John Gray. So I will definitely wait and see what's, what happens with that start. And uh, like I said, just kind of look at the, the velocity, look at the swing and miss numbers, not just the strikeouts and, and go from there because I do think Gray in Texas with that really a top three offense in the league right now, Behind him mm-hmm. should be some win potential as well. So I am interested there. Um, anything else to add on, on Gray, Steve? Are we good to keep No, and, and uh, real quick, I, I know that he's been a guy that's like dealt with nagging injuries. I, did he have an IL stint this year? He might have had a quick one. So that also could explain maybe some of the troubles and the, the poor underlying numbers too. Um, I don't know offhand. Yeah, it, he does it, have it, eight it starts, seems, though, so I think he's okay. So he's maybe not. Maybe, but you know, he is a guy that is always 
it, it sort of held back his potential with how many injuries he's had. So um, yeah. maybe he could have been just dealing with something minor too. And once he gets healthy, the velocity and the whiffs then come back. So we'll see. So next up on the list, much rostered much less at just 10%, Michael Lorenzen for the Tigers. And Lorenzen has gotten six starts this season. It started off pretty ugly. I, I, I think he did have an IL stand. His first start was mid-April, but uh, most recently, taking the mound against the Pirates, six innings, had seven strikeouts, uh, no earned runs, five hits, just two walks. Uh, and Lorenzen, man, there was some some good helium on Lorenzen with, when I think we, he was with the Reds. Um, he's had some, some good swing and miss stuff in the past with like whiff rates. Uh, so far this season, they're not looking that good, but, uh, pretty deep arsenal. I think he goes to like six different pitches and yeah, in terms of, uh, the fastball, he gets good movement on it. Uh, I guess I'm curious for you, Steve, for a guy who's no spring hen at age 31 and with that offense behind him, are you seeing any reason to be excited here for Michael Lorenzen? So I wasn't until about a few hours before this recording. Um, shout out to PL Pro member in the Pitcherless Discord, Black Knight 506, who brought up a question in, in the chat and was questioning who to stream tonight, uh, Michael Lorenzen or Luis Ortiz. And I sort of glossed over it and was just like, ah, you know, Ortiz, like he has stuff, he's a prospect, he has a good matchup versus Detroit, and didn't really think twice about it. Um, but then he linked this tweet from Jay Willie at Jay Willie FF about um, Michael Lorenzen's pitch mix change that took place um, three starts ago. Now um, he started throwing his fastball and slider more, his sinker less, and ditched the curve. And since that change, I believe he's gone seven innings in every single game. Uh, just six on this last one, but you're right. Uh, seven, just seven, just six, six tonight, still. but yeah. but seven Ks and has given up a total of two earned runs. Um, yes, uh, it was not the best opponents. It was the Mets, the Guardians, and the Pirates. So again, really, really weak opponents. But still, um, a pitch mix change. Uh, it finally led to a lot of strikeouts in those other two stri- other two starts where he went seven innings each. We just four total Ks, um, but it was encouraging to see um, tonight. And I think this, at the very least, establishes him as a viable streaming option in good matchups. Um, and you know, you, you could get really good starts like you can tonight for Lorenzo. So um, it's someone that I'm just keeping an eye on. I think the pitch mix change is really interesting. Um, and, you know, for decisions like Luis Ortiz versus Lorenzen, I would think twice and, and know that Lorenzen uh, may have tweaked something and figured something out here after what was a pretty bad start to the season after that helium, like you said. Yeah, and, I mean, Lorenzen's next outing, he gets the Royals. So I'm not sure if that falls on this Sunday, like Sunday of this weekend, or if that's going to spill in the next week. Uh, I believe it's the 22nd. Which would be that would be next Monday. So Mon- yeah, Monday. So two, two a two step pitch. a two step next weekend. Yeah. So a good a good two start uh, pitcher for next week. It's it's the White Sox, but it's at Detroit. So um, White Sox are heating up a little bit. 
Yeah, um, Robert. Not the not. not the team to pick on like they were in April, but still, I would start him, uh, especially if you get that first. That means you have to you get the first uh, start at Kansas City. Yeah. So a really good two step for next week. Yeah, like it and widely available, just ten percent rostered. I think that's a great name. Shout out again to PL Pro member Black Knight five oh six. Love that. Uh, going back to Lane Thomas, who we talked about last week, Steve, and we kind of said, you know, he's interesting. He's hitting leadoff. He's going to have the opportunity. But, you know, we wouldn't be surprised if it kind of slowed down. It really has not slowed down. Uh, on Monday <laughs> of, of this week, as we were recording, it, it went three for four with two doubles. Uh, that was his fourth multi-hit game in the past eight games. And tonight, as we record, he homered. Uh, it's got to be said, he went one for five with four strikeouts. So, uh, not the best rest of the line, but Lane Thomas, just 23% rostered, is starting to, you know, I mean, now he's got five homers on the season, four steals. He's hitting 286 with a 778 OPS. He's a guy that you look at all his sliders, they don't really look attractive outside of sprint speed, arm strength, but Lane Thomas might be defying uh, those underlying metrics a little bit because seemingly just keeps hitting and he's at the top of that order where, you know, another guy we'll talk about, Joey Manessis, is kind of warming up. So, yeah, age 27 season for Lane Thomas, a little bit of power speed. The average has looked good so far. Uh, when do we start taking this seriously from Lane Thomas? Because production-wise, he looks like a must-add on the surface. Yeah, Lane Thomas going into 2022, I think was like a really intriguing mid to mid late round pick. Like he was drafted in most leagues. Like in 2021, he had a 104 WRC plus, seven homers, six deals, and you know 264 plate appearances. So there was a lot of plate, play, you know, proration game. Like, oh, is this a yeah. a 15 15 guy with you know uh, decent. Um, average and good OBP skills. He walked 14% of the time in that sample and then kind of got off to a really bad start last year and uh, I, I think was written off. And then, you know, I had a double double check. I did not know that he had 17 homers last year um, in just 548 plate appearances. So there is definitely some pop there. And if he could, you know, continue to hit I don't know if he's going to hit 285 but if it's 250 260 a little bit better than where he did last year like this is a guy that should be rostered all year round like uh, you know I, I know that with the new rules and people running wild last last year at this time we would have said oh yeah four steals it's really nice now it's kind of like well, you know four steals it's, it's, that's okay but I don't see why he won't continue to run. He's only been caught once. Nationals need to find a way to generate offense. Uh, there should be like a red light uh, on him there. But I think this is like kind of what we were hoping for after that short sample in 2021. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with that 17 homers that he showed last year, I don't see why he can't approach maybe a twenty twenty with a two fifty average. Um, if that if that batting average does have a little bit of regression, like mm-hmm. that that could be what we're looking at, or at least close to it. Um, which 
you know, even even in this new environment with with power up again, runs up again, and steals up, uh, that's still someone that's worth um, being on a roster a lot, at least a lot more than twenty three percent of the, uh, Yahoo teams. So, uh, I, I think Lane Thomas is a, is a, is a must add. I, I I've added him in a in a keeper league where. Um, you know, I sold a bunch of picks last year and, and I'm already rebuilding, but, you know, Lane Thomas, I think is a great fill in on a, on a, on a team like that to kind of, uh, carry some weight. And even, even if it's not in like a rebuild, like a deeper outfield league, like Lane Thomas, uh, I would, I would love to have him as like a fourth, fifth outfielder, uh, in, in any league like that. Yep, the ground ball rate's up a little bit, but we talked about, you know, with the shift, with his speed, that might not be the worst thing. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, he's he's hitting the ball uh, compa- just looking at this year compared to last year because last year did not look as good. Uh, he's hitting the ball. Uh, his, like, straight percentage is much higher than, like, his pole percentage was last year. So, um, yeah, I, I think he is seeing the ball well, and it might just be defying some of those metrics. I know we talk about guys that, kind of spread the ball, um, tend to, you know, not show up on XBA. It's XBA right now is just a 238. So, yeah, no mistake, the underlings don't look great. But most of his homers and deep hits have all been kind of pull or at least toward that, like, left field, left center. Um, so, yeah, I think Thomas, at this point, I, I got no problem just adding him. If he cools off, just move on. But it, it could be a unique combination of – Power, speed, uh, opportunity to score runs, and with how he's been in the past, I mean, that could, uh, you know, he could put it all together. If he brings the walks back, it could be a good situation. But moving on to Joey Manessis, his teammate, which we talked about, is uh, heating up himself. He was a guy that was definitely a a target of ours coming into this year. And it's been a strange story for Manessis so far. He is hitting 300. And he's been on fire lately, but just a 722 OPS because he has just two home runs. So it's a little interesting because his hard hit rate is where you'd want to see it, 87th percentile. Uh, but the barrel rate is down a bit, and it just, you know, it's not the, the type of production that you were expecting, but I suppose you would still take it. Um, looking under the hood, Steve, his fly ball rate has gone down from 24% roughly last year to 12% this year. Uh, there were a couple doubles that were like wall scrapers, which if he was at four home runs, that would look a little bit better. But what do we think with, with Joey Manessis? Because he's definitely a guy that was dropped in a lot of leagues, and now he's definitely putting it all back together, uh, minus the power. And similar to Lane Thomas, he's hitting in a really good spot in that order with batting third every day uh, as we record this just yesterday he had he went four for five with three doubles and four rbis are we interested again in joey manessis who's 59 percent rostered um i think i am uh a lot of that could be explained by the 5.9 percent launch angle um it was 9.5 percent last year so not great but you know he still was getting uh, a lot more fly balls, like you said, and it was a 25% home run the fly ball, which was probably a little elevated. Uh, that's why it was 13 home runs and 240 plate appearances, as opposed to the two and just the 177 now. So 
you know, uh, 70 more plate appearances and 11 more homers. Uh, I think he went on like that homer binge when he was first called up too. Um, so it, it's in there. I mean, maybe there's, there'll be a streak um, where he starts to hit some more fly balls. That would, that would be nice. But it's encouraging that everything else sort of is in line. The strikeout rate is good. Is good. Um, he's hitting for average, hitting the ball hard. Um, and also, I know DC is, especially when it gets hot, becomes much more of a hitter-friendly park um, already than it already is. So um, it's kind of a sneaky uh, hitter's park there in Washington, D.C. Um, so once the ball, once once the weather heats up, the ball might start flying a little bit more. Um, it gets really hot in like the Baltimore, D.C. area too over the summer. So um, that could lead to a bit more power. So if someone's you know kind of just looking at it as empty batting average on a on a on a bad team i would be sort of interested in projecting the fact that you know he should hit um more home runs i mean just looking at the projections like all the projections rest of the season has have him hitting 13 to 18 more homers for the rest of the year so mm-hmm. um I, I think he can he can get close to twenty. I mean, we saw it last year, right? He he's capable of being a streaky hitter. He also hit twenty home runs in Triple A uh, last year, so thirty three uh, across uh, you know the full season there last year. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a little power binge in here if he could you know find his way into hitting some more fly balls uh, and bumping up that homer to fly ball that sits at just six point five percent this oh, year, yeah. even That'll with. Come up. Just the just the thirteen percent fly balls. Like, uh, I, I expect both those numbers to go up. Uh, long story short, yeah. And if you're interested in streaming him, his upcoming series after the Marlins, the Nationals got the Tigers, uh, three games against the Padres, and then three games against the Royals. So that could be a nice little trial period for him and Lane Thomas, for that matter. Uh, moving over to another guy who's who's 59% rostered, and it's kind of the inverse because this guy is hard hit down, barrels way up, and I was kind of surprised to see Jorge Polanco rostered at just this rate, Steve. He's got a 283 batting average, 816 OPS. Uh, like I mentioned, the barrel rate looks really good at a 10.2%. Uh, the steals, he has not even attempted a steal. So maybe uh, the the days of him kind of being power speed, uh, I know he's flashed that in the past. In 2021, he had 11 steals. Uh, that might be a thing of the past even with the new rules. He has one. He, oh, has, he has one. one. He has okay. One. Okay. So just the one. But, I mean, he is coming back from a knee injury too, right? Uh, I think that's what, what held him out. So Yeah. So whether or not uh, we'll, we'll get steals. Yeah, you're right. So that was just March of this yeah. year. But. Yeah. Uh, that said, Jorge Soler has been hitting lately, and Pol- Polanco. Or, well, I'm right? sorry, yeah, Jorge Polanco has been yeah. hitting lately. <laughs> Past week, a 982 OPS uh, with the two homers there and the steal that you mentioned. So, I guess what do we think with Polanco? He, he's you know not f- too far removed from being like a top hundred pick, um, and here he is, pretty available, but certainly in twelve team leagues. So, what do you think of Polanco? Yeah, it's funny because I think did he have a two homer night last night or or, or a homer night? Well, he had a homer last night. On uh, day, yeah, he's had two homers um, in the past three games as we record. Got it. 
Uh, it's funny because Gray on Razball does his daily write-ups of just, you know, the highlights of, around the box score. And he was like, you know, this felt like Polanco's first big game in three years uh, or since 2021, essentially, which, you know, kind of felt true to an extent. It was pretty disappointing last year, even with the 16 home runs. Um, but, yeah, I, I I think we're kind of looking at what we saw in, in 2021, at least. Um, which was which was pretty good. I mean, maybe it's not thirty three homers, but I could see twenty five homers, a two seventy average, and you know, uh, an above eight hundred OPS. Which for a position of, of second base, that's that's really good. Um, I, I, I guess people were concerned and 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 thrown off by the injury last year, the injury this year to start the season, but. It, it sort of looks in line with with what he's done. The K rate is a little bit high. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not walking as much. He's not, and he's not walking as much. So the plate the plate discipline is concerning, but the barrel rate's still good. Um, the hard hits in line with um, um, where he's been at uh, in, in previous seasons. Uh, it's a new high max EV this year. That's always like a good indicator yeah. of of health at least. Um, so uh, he is reaching a little bit more, but it, it still is a bit of a small sample um, for him since he did. He, he has only played 22 games this year and just 98 plate appearances. But if he's out there, if like you need to buy, you know, I, I guess you're not really buying low, or if you're looking for to shop for a second baseman, if someone else, you know, figured out second base while Polanco was hurt. Um, and they now have two viable second basements, I would definitely be exploring trade offers and would definitely be adding him in the 41% of the leagues that he's available in. Yeah, here's an interesting tidbit here. On, on his pitcher list page, you know, one of our one of our guests in the past, Christian Mack, who, who worked on the IPA, the ideal plate appearance, Jorge Polanco is 24th in the league on ideal plate appearance. Um, which is barrel, solid contact, uh, flares plus burners. So, you know, there's a lot of good kind of metrics on or, or research on that being a, a better indicator of hitter performance. And also looking at his savant, the, the fun little home runs by ballparks, it's quite a bit up from the four homers he has. Uh, there's probably a half dozen ballparks where he'd be at seven homers. Uh, and even eight homers looking at like Philly. So, yeah, I mean, although he's being a little bit more aggressive, first pitch swing rate is up 12% from last year. Uh, I think the numbers look better enough compared to last year to where he might be on to something. And it's just kind of an approach change where he's not going to take as many walks. But we talked about it in like five by five leagues. If you're if you're hitting a, a solid average, like a 283, that's going to help you a lot more if there aren't as many walks because you're just getting a higher volume of hits. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested here in Polanco. Um, in terms of, like, the batting order, he's usually clean up or fifth in that lineup. Um, and, yeah, I, I, overall, I just think, you know, the, I, I overlooked the steal because it just came yesterday. But that's mm-hmm. also a good sign with the, the knee issue that he's he might be back to running. So, if he does grab another bag in the next week or so, he might be on people's radars a lot more than just the 59% he's at. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm very interested there. 
moving way down the, the roster rate here, got to address uh, Bretton Doyle because uh, Doyle had two home runs. This is a Rockies outfielder, just 3% rostered. Uh, Bretton spelled B-R-E-N-T-O-N for the search. And yeah, Monday he had a homer and a steal, and Tuesday he went three for four with two home runs. Uh, Doyle now is hitting 250 with an 836 OPS. Talked about the homers, but he has six steals on the season and just moved up to seventh in the order for the Rockies. So Doyle, Steve, I don't know if uh, he might be a little bit of a NFBC uh, waiver wire run this this weekend. Are we interested or are we passing on this one? Um, I'm pretty interested. Um, the the K rate's concerning. Uh, he struck out 31 percent of the time so far uh, at AAA this year. In, in 12 games, he struck out 33 percent of the time. Um, at all of his stops in the minors, he was a pretty elevated uh, strikeout rate. But he also did take a walk in the minors, and he's walking just 6% of the time now. Um, if you could bump that up, that'll be helpful, especially for a guy with his speed who already has six deals and hasn't been caught yet. Um, I would expect that 250 average to, to sort of regress, but he is fast, so maybe he can continue to run uh, a, a high BABIP like he has so far. Uh, or, you know, no, it's actually hasn't even been that high of a BABIP. It's just 286. Um, but he's ran high Babips in the minors, um, which sort of elevated his average despite those elevated K rates. So, um, yeah, the, the power and the speed are, are super intriguing. The fact that he calls cores home is super intriguing. This also just seems like a guy that the Rockies might just randomly stop playing um, just because they're <laughs> the Rockies. Yeah, who is the the outfielder uh, that that everyone like? It was a very similar profile just over like the last few years that was in Colorado. It was sent up, sent down, had a few homers, had some steals. Um, I, I think he's on a minor league deal uh, here. I'll, I'll look it up as, as you give your opinion here. But uh-huh. I, know. I definitely okay. think it's going to be, be an intriguing bid in NFBC this weekend. He hasn't been scooped up already. Um, just based on the power and speed alone, like the power rate is good, the hard hit is good. Um, it, it, it's it's it, it's it's interesting stuff uh, with Brenton Doyle, at least from this power speed perspective. Um, I would I would not count on that average, but um, yeah, power speed guy in, in course, sign me up. Yeah, I think they might at least platoon, um, but yeah, sixty grade power, sixty grade speed. And yeah, the 98th percentile sprint speed. So I think the the steals are legit. And beyond that, it's like it's it's hard to ignore when he's already kind of on that power binge um, so far this season. So Sam Hill, Sam Hilliard, Hilliard is who I was thinking go. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same same sort of profile. Yeah. So I mean, it's a watchless guy. I don't know that there's a, a, a ton beyond that, at least at the moment. But if you do need help in, in kind of the power speed department especially for those deep nfbc leagues uh some of his homers look like no doubters and uh, you know a couple oppo tacos in the mix there uh he's tooled up yeah Yeah. he's tooled up the ground ball rate's high uh higher than you'd want it to be but yeah right now so far an 18.8 percent barrel barrel rate so that would be uh you know league leading among qualified hitters but uh, that's Doyle and just 3% rostered. A good one on the watch list. 
another deep one here, Steve, is J.P. Sears, pitcher for the Athletics, uh, who looked really good against that Rangers offense we were talking about as being one of the best in the league. Uh, he went five and a third with six strikeouts, just two earned runs, and a 113 whip. Uh, Sears is, is a name that has kind of been uh, you know, circling around uh, Twitter over the past year or so. His, his next outing, unfortunately, is at Houston. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Sears? I know you wanted to uh, throw him on the rundown. You think this is a, a watchless candidate here? Yeah, I, I think so. There's some intriguing underlying skills. Uh, a 25% strikeout rate and just a 5% walk rate. Like that's that's you know enough to sign me up yeah. as is. Just not looking at any of the numbers. Um, that should not add up to a 5.27 ERA. Um, but it, there, there's some intriguing things that are going on with Sears. Um, Nick Pollock mentioned it today on the Plus Pitch podcast. He has two pitches that rate really, really well by PLV. So just you know, two really good offerings that he can lean on, and Nick talks about it all the time. It doesn't matter if you're a two-pitch pitcher if both those pitches are really good. Um, so you know, his fastball and his slider are both really good. Um, and, you know, you can get away with that if you have two elite offerings that you're able to throw for strikes and, and get and get strikeouts on. So um, I think despite the fact that he has a 524 ERA, has the, the Astros coming up, if that means he's going to sit on the waiver wire, I would add him. You know, you don't even have to necessarily start him with the Astros if you don't want to. Um, honestly, I would consider doing it with, just you know how good his skills have been and and what he's been doing recently, um, but I, I think Sears is the best pitcher in Oakland, and and the fact that you know he could pitch at home, um, I know we like to talk about this, but a one seventeen WHIP does not add up to that five plus ERA, um, mm-hmm. that old school analysis. So um, I, I think that Sears kind of is a hidden gem here in, in the fact that he's got the strikeouts doesn't walk many people um you know close to a 20 percent k minus bb percentage like that's really good yeah there must be some sort of deception that goes on with his fastball because it's just 92.8 miles per hour uh but he gets really good whiffs on it and, and like the extension isn't out of this world or anything the movement's not all that impressive uh but that is a really good whiff rate and you know it seems like the rest of them are kind of in line or average whiff rates. It's with the, the sweeper at like a 25% whiff rate as well. Change up right around there too. But yeah, that's, I mean, the, the K minus BB is like you, you pointed out really better than you would expect. I mean, that's like the, that's the whomst joke that you were talking about where it's like, yeah, this is Jordan Montgomery. No, this is JP Sears. So uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good one to watch, and especially if he looks good against Houston uh, and he's got Nick Pollock's attention, then he definitely has mine. Uh, we got a few more names, guys, and then we also, of course, got some fun stuff for the 100th episode, but we've got to take our first ad break, and we'll be right back. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. 
Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Okay, so Steve, of the list, uh, like we talked about Yuri Perez last week, Matt McLean is probably the name that's kind of the fastest rush to add, just 43% rostered, but quickly going up. That said, it's, uh, you know, he hasn't lit the world on fire in his first couple outings. Uh, I think he had a double and, and a, a walk on game one. Uh, went one for four tonight, but three strikeouts. Uh, talk to me about Cincinnati Red, Matt McLean. I, I think this is a prospect that, a lot of people were uh, awaiting the call-up, and the call-up came. And, yeah, he's still pretty available. So curious your thoughts on on what we could expect from McLean if we were to add him. Yeah, this has been sort of a, a pop-up prospect this year. There were some interesting tools heading into this year, but he popped off this year. I know uh, Chris Clegg has talked about him a lot on Twitter. Um I guess popped off as a bit of an understatement. He had a 193 WRC plus in 38 um, AAA games this year, 173 plate appearances, 12 homers, 10, 10 steals, uh, hit 348, uh, a, a 1184 OPS. So, yeah, uh, popped off is, is a bit of an understatement. Um, you know, the hard hit rates were really good in the minors, uh, good max EV. Uh, good average exit velocity. So everything you wanted to see that he was doing uh, struck out less than 20% of the time, walked 17% of the time. Um, so yeah, this, this promotion w- was well-deserved. I know that some people were cl- clamoring for uh, Ellie De-, De La Cruz or Christian Encarnacio Strand, but I mean, Matt McLean did everything that um, he could have been expected to. Um, and plays a, a pretty good shortstop. I think he played shortstops in third base. Um, he's played shortstop the last two nights for Reds and batted second um, in core. So that, that was even more of a reason why he probably got uh, mm-hmm. um, scooped up and, and people were excited. Uh, and maybe the fact that he didn't, like, you know, had he been, had he hit two home runs in cores and, and stole a base, like, the the bids on him would have been ridiculous this weekend. I know he still has one more game there, I think, tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's still that chance that could happen. But if it doesn't and he just goes like one for four, even like two for four with two singles, like there's a chance that people could just look at that as a stream and he could hit the wire again. And I think that there might be another opportunity or, or at least would keep the bids down in the weekly leagues uh, over the weekend. Um but I think the tools are worth a bit more of a longer look uh, than than what he currently than 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 just a, a stream in, in Colorado essentially. Yeah. Uh, there could be uh, a season long impactful bat uh, at least 
if he is able to translate some of those AAA gains to, to the major league level this year. Yeah, I think it's the definition of like a boom-bust play here with McLean because I was surprised to hear you say that he had a sub-20% K rate in uh, AAA so far this season. Last year, the 28% K mm-hmm. rate. Um, and yeah, that the hit tool, they've got it like 35 40 and so far, I mean, it is a little alarming that he had the three strikeouts today going one for four. So that's probably what I'll be watching the closest because, yeah, the power speed seems undeniable. Um, so, I, yeah, I think it's valid uh, and something to watch really closely. Obviously, in deep leagues, if someone does move on or if he's available, I, I think just add him and, and then see how it goes because he's got that rare – set of power speed and the ability to walk and the fact that he's hitting second like you said is is huge Um, but if he's just proving to be overmatched like if there's multiple games where he's got two three strikeouts I might not be quite as interested but right now you've got to look at the minor league numbers 12 homers 10 steals and 38 games is you know something that could help any roster at this point in the season so yeah, I would definitely move to add now and, and ask questions later. Uh, let's move to Mauricio Dubon, Steve. Uh, just rostered 22% of leagues. Leadoff for the Astros on the season, uh, 303 average. Uh, the pop is, is, is not really there, a 697 OPS. Uh, but the runs, he's got 25 so far and three steals. And Dubon, another guy that could kind of be middle infield help. Uh, what are your thoughts here for Mauricio Dubon? This is like Luis Arias just leading off for the Astros. Like <laughs> that's it, a good sell. I, I, that's a good sell. I am. I, I know Arias has his flaws, but he was drafted and, and is considered a you know an elite category stud in batting average, and the, the profile is just like super similar. Maybe it's not as dramatic, but he's only struck out twelve point six percent of the time. Uh, that was last year. Uh, he across with two teams, he struck out just eleven percent of the time. So it's not just a small sample now. Um, yeah, he's not walking much, but he has three steals. Um, batting leadoff, uh, you know, there's not going to be much power, but there might be more than Arias. He had five home runs last year and two hundred sixty-five plate appearances. Um, and you know, if if you're hitting three hundred for the Astros on top of the lineup, maybe it won't last long with Altuve uh, on a rehab assignment, but he's definitely earned a spot. Um, I know he plays some seconds, some shorts, some outfield. Um, so they should be able to find a place uh, in that lineup for him, uh, even when Altuve does return. Um, and, hey, maybe they want to keep him at the top of the order and battle Altuve second or something like that. Um, but I-, I think that this is is worth well more than 22% of the – uh, roster ship because the hit tool is ridiculous. He doesn't strike out. And he's going to score a ton of runs if, as long as he's leading off for the Astros. Yeah, 22nd best K rate in the majors. Uh, really good contact skills, like you mentioned. His spray chart is incredible. He, it looks like he's a lefty. The, he's got to go opposite field about as much as anyone in the league. <laughs> yeah, right. And, yeah. and hitting first for that lineup, and it looks like guys like Bregman might might be waking up here. Would like if Kyle Tucker could wake up a little more for me personally, but he's not hitting anywhere near the top of the lineup anyway, so it doesn't really matter for Dubon. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do like this one 
as well, Steve, and I think they would find a way to keep his bat there um, if even when Altuve comes back. It's hard to bench a guy who's who's hitting like 309. So, um, yeah, I, I like it for Devon. And just keep rolling here down the, the list. Uh, teammate JP France uh, for, for the uh, Astros. Two really promising starts. He's just 41% rostered. And in his two outings so far, five innings, five strikeouts, no earned runs against the Mariners, and six and two-thirds with a win, three strikeouts, one earned run at the White Sox. Uh, I'm pretty interested in France. I, I picked him up in an, another league, uh, actually TGFBI, and, you know, looking under the hood, it, like, he goes, he doesn't throw his curve and slider that much, but he gets pretty good whiffs with those. So I always like seeing that as, like, a path, a pretty easy pitch mix change. Uh, obviously, these clubs are watching that stuff closely as well. Uh, if he just kind of ramped up that usage a little bit, I feel like he could turn a corner and have all the opportunities with the Astros. I'm not positive on uh, kind of how secure of a hold he's got on that rotation spot, but I'm interested in what I'm seeing right now. Yeah, McCullers has been throwing bullpens. Um, I think he's close to a rehab assignment, but... You know, if, if there's anything I've learned playing fantasy baseball over the last few years, it's you can't bank on Lance McCullers' health. I, I'm surprised that France didn't have as much helium or, or excitement. Um, just looking at the K rates alone, like in his minor league numbers, maybe it's because the walks were always there too. Um, it was a double digit walk rate to, to go with basically a 30% strikeout rate or more at, at every stop. Uh, in the minors, so maybe that could be uh, part of the reason. But, I mean, he's only walked 4.5% of the batters uh, he's faced so far. Um, yeah, the strikeout rate has taken a big cut too, but th- there, there's there's reason for interest here. And I think the fact that you know pitching has been so hard to come by that I would absolutely be taking a, a shot with J.P. France, especially with... with that team, you know, the Astros are another one of these teams that just churn out big league players after big uh, big league pitchers after big league pitchers and get the most out of them. Um, you know, he's 28 years old, so there's no reason to like hold back or anything like that. So, and uh, Ur- Ur- he's Ur- worth a shot. Yeah, and Arcidi yeah. is out yeah. until July, so I think at least the All Star break. Yeah, yeah, so I so think they're... Brandon Bylock would probably be the one that that mm-hmm. makes way if McCullers does come back. So I think France should have a long enough run. Uh, for this one, but yeah, uh, you know, he, he's another guy that should be throwing against the Cubs on Wednesday. So as you guys are listening to this, you know, check what France did, but if, if it looked good, expect that roster ship rate to be climbing and I would move pretty quickly to, to add JP France. Cause there's a lot to like here. Uh, the last one we got on the rundown here, Steve, back to Dean Creamer, which a few weeks ago we were, we were looking at him as kind of. I think he was 1% rostered at the time, and his K-BB minus numbers looked really good, even though everything else looked really rough. Now he's 18% rostered, and pretty much everything since then has looked really good. So shout out to you on including him there when it looked rough on the surface. The last three outings for Kramer, uh, 17 and two-thirds innings, uh, four runs across all those innings. 11 strikeouts, a little bit low, but the whips looked really good as well. It's like a 118 whip during that time. So, again, I think this is kind of a deeper target, but are you 
still interested in, in Creamer as kind of a back of the rotation guy if he keeps this up. Yeah, I, I'm still interested. Um, you know, I, I constantly have to keep reminding myself that um, Camden is now a picture yard with what they did to the fences. I actually was there uh, on Sunday over the over the weekend. Uh, oh, nice! At, at Camden Yard. I didn't know so, that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was it was kind of shocking to see it in person, um, it, but yeah, the, those walls are crazy deep. Uh, in left field there. So um, I don't know if I would recommend start adding Kramer right now. His next starts are at Toronto and then home versus Texas. Oof. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that's really, really tough. But, hey, he survived a tougher matchup with um, with the Angels tonight. Not nearly as tough as both of those, but still, hey, a, a pretty good offense. Um some guys named Trout and Otani there. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, maybe it's more of a, a, a chance to pat myself on the back for, uh, you know, if you, if you added them uh, three weeks ago. Uh, three, well, and ironically, uh, the K minus BB yeah. has gotten worse in the last three yeah, weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so, hey, uh, get off the train now. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll continue. We'll talk to, we'll talk about Kramer in the next three weeks and just see where it's at after he goes through that gauntlet. Uh, but yeah, that, that kind of rounds out, uh, the, the, the names we were breaking down, but we, uh, as promised have to get into some fun stuff here. Hope you guys, uh, stay with us to, to, to recap some of the best moments in wins above fantasy history, uh, right after this ad break. Okay, and Steve, uh, here we get to the fun stuff, man. You can sit back and relax here. I've prepped a a little bit of an audio treat that I'll go ahead and play for you and the listeners. And it's got a little bit of a runtime, but I I really think uh, you'll enjoy tuning into some of the better moments of our 100-episode history here. You ready for this? Let's do it. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome, everybody, to Wins Above Fantasy. This is episode one. Yeah, man, I, I, I can't wait. I mean, this is my, my favorite time of year. It's, it's draft season, so I figure it's a great way to kick off the podcast. The fantasy TLDR, you know, jokes aside, we try to shine a spotlight on some really cool industry research that a lot of people don't know. Scene shifted wake. So what is it? Um, you know, we could play nose goes on who has to actually break down the science of this, Steve. <laughs> There's a lot of new guys in the industry. You know, Pitcherless is a big part of that. It's a cool thing to be a part of. I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of it. It's, it's super exciting. And, and actually, Steve, I don't know if you saw, we got one single listener in Australia, Down Under. Yeah, it's a special moment. We're about to introduce uh, Christian Mack of Pitcherlist. Developed a great metric, did some awesome research, uh, IPA. Hey, this is my, my first podcast experience. So thank you for having me on as your first guest. I just want to thank uh, our guest here uh, Paul Spore you might have heard of him if you follow fantasy baseball at all Tyler O'Neill the monster breakout but big but the strikeout percentage uh, is a major concern you know you said there's a big but there big but not always a bad thing in this case it is though <laughs> 31% strikeout rate I'll tell you what this has me feeling guys I get a lot of Domingo Santana 
Steven Souza Jr. vibes. From the CBS Fantasy Baseball Today podcast, it's the staple host of the show, Frank Stample. The listener league was open, so what they were doing was calling for songs. I, I shot my shot. Oh, it was fantastic. It was, look, I have it queued up here, ready to go. If you want me to play it, I got you, whatever you need. Wow. I, I've never heard it, so I am extremely excited. And speaking of Frank and his learning curve, if Jose Abreu sucks, he's going to hit the curb. But his knowledge is key, his segue's slick. I see my homie and I think this guy's legit. Wow. I mean, we're going to have to like do like a weekly segment now. But that's the first thing that I thought of. You know, I mean, Frank looked really good hyping up Jose Abreu right before his MVP year. That's uh... great as last year was. You know, I was all over Abreu and Machado. This year has been the complete opposite, man. We have Trevor Huth with us. Pretty much all of my prospect news comes from you, you know. You know bias aside of this Peoria chief that Lars Newtbar actually might be a, a pretty good flyer. I think he'd be more interested once he, you know, gets DFA'd and sent to another team or whatever. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to do all this research. Just pick up ex-Cardinals for, for hitters and, and ex-Pirate pitchers. Right to, to Steve's wedding, which is coming up in a few weeks. Will there be a waffle bar? Emphasis on waff. A waffle bar at your wedding, Steve. Uh, so... I, I just got the go ahead and, and no pressure, but you know, if you want to look in the flights to Jersey the weekend of uh, July 16th, uh, there will be a spot for you at the wedding. You know, we maybe could do a little bit of a live show or something like that after I'm officially married, but I know no pressure. This is, this is tough. It's live on air. What do you think this number represents? 1652. You're asking me this uh, question with numbers the weekend after my bachelor party when we we're talking about bounce backs. I have no idea. Uh, 1652 is actually my flight number to come out to your wedding in a couple weeks. <laughs> Get out of here. It's happening. Oh my God. It is happening. Oh my God. Welcome back, everyone. Episode 23 of Wins Above Fantasy. We're coming at you live here in New Jersey. I'm here with Steve Giswelli. Steve, how you doing? I'm great. I'm newly married. We're literally at our wedding. It's just a pleasure to be on a podcast with not only a partner, but a friend. It was honestly one of the highlights of my wedding day, which was a great day all around. But the fact that we actually recorded some Wins Above Fantasy is something I will never forget. And Lauren gets up there to do her vows. And then she goes, and even with you doing your fantasy baseball podcast and everyone laughs and she's like, Shout out to Van out there. And I'm like, oh my God. It's a career high walk rate and it's the best hard hit percentage of his career. There'll be a good few months here for Lindor. And I think uh, he's another guy that people should be targeting if people are just sick of seeing that 215 slash line. But yeah, as you're listening to this, it's absolutely the time to target Goldie on a trade. A 249 average, 316 OBP, and a 410 slug. 96 in hard hit percentage and 82nd in max exit velocity, which you would expect that from like prime Paul Goldschmidt, but he's still doing that. The next one I got here, this is this is a flag in the ground because I like some things about Jonah Heim here. All right, you're, you're going to think I'm crazy when I read this triple slash line of 187, 281, 421, but... I am absolutely crazy over Christian Walker right now. Christian Javier is is in as that SP5 for the Astros. ADP has only moved from pick 300 to 288. Man, Steve, I, I'm, I'm surprised it's this late, and yeah. I think this is a really good opportunity. Yeah, I, I think Javier is an absolute steal. Shane McClanahan, ADP 111, going to 89. 
nine would be the 20% bump. I think it's all there. I think there's nowhere for him to go but become a, a, an ace. We're really grateful to have Mr. Ariel Cohen on the show. I use the best parts of each projection from each of them, and I combine them, and the wisdom of the crowds gives a much better betting answer than any one projection by itself. So my second bold prediction Nico Horner finishes as a top three second baseman. Uh, this one's pretty bold, I think, because uh, the guy doesn't have a closure job right now, but that's Evan Phillips leads the National League in saves. My next one is that Max Muncy finishes top three in home runs in the National League. Uh, over five guys will have 40 steals, I think, for the first time since 2013, I believe it is. Mr. Nick Pollock on Nick. Great having you on. Welcome to the show. What is happening? Oh, it's so nice to be here. I, I you, you said this is the first time I was on here, and I still don't quite believe that honestly can you summarize uh what plv is for our listeners sure yeah um I, i've actually like paced in my kitchen trying to figure out the exact way i should be saying this obviously we have nick on to, to do this but after i after i heard it, it's like what wait why weren't we doing this the whole time like right we- that timeline is so important and to be able to look at the first element to then help find out the others is oh it opens so many doors and i'm so curious anybody listening think about that really like think man if we were able to quantify this what else can we do with it it's really fun i feel like every day there's a new idea that we have we appreciate you guys joining for any and every episode but that rounds us out and thanks for talking baseball with us thanks for talking baseball with us guys wow that was uh that was amazing that was absolutely awesome and uh, yeah you forget some of those moments and to have that come back and, and just even like to listen to, to those first few episodes right like it's just oh our it's audio great. Yeah. quality's terrible yeah, yeah, you it, know we, we barely even know each other you know yeah it's an extremely long recap of the highlights but Obviously, I got to cherry pick some victory laps for us in there, Steve. Yeah, make us look good. You did great. Yeah, yeah, the the banter as well. I mean, we we didn't include – there were a ton of guests that we had as well. I was Mm kind of just throwing it all together based on what was on the the hard drive and everything. But, yeah, dude, it was a lot of fun going back and listening to those takes. And uh, believe it or not, there were a few shows where I was, like, playing to listen uh, to, like, pull something into the edit – and I was just letting it ride for like two minutes because I was like, oh, wait, what, what is, where are we going with this take right here? Because it's just a time capsule. So, no, I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Hopefully uh, for, for the listeners who have been there from, from day one, uh, you guys got a kick out of reliving some of those moments, man. The, the wedding stuff is just ear to ear. I mean, that, uh, I'll never forget that for sure. And yeah, in general, I know you said it on that that wedding take, but it is it's absolutely true, man. I mean, when I think about the the start of Wins Above Fantasy and like, you know, we 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 did auditions and then they kind of assign you like a pen pal, mm-hmm. and I was just like, all right, let's find out who Steve Giswelli is and and see what's going on on this Skype call, and yeah, man, like the it just feels like. I don't even know if I would still be doing this or how long I would have done it if I had not been paired up with a fantasy baseball guy like you. So uh, I love it. Uh, And 100 episodes, dude. We knew it would be uh, one to look back on and and just want to say congrats to you as well because it's been been a fun ride for sure. Thank you, man. And, you know, I I think of you – 
I would just text you to talk baseball as a friend, even if we weren't doing this. You know, that's just how uh, how, how good it feels to to do this with you every week. So I uh, feel the same exact way and appreciate the kind words and, and, and right back at you. Um, to quickly pivot, I do have some good news for you um, as a Cardinal fan, uh, some breaking news. Um, oh boy. Matthew Libertor will be starting on Wednesday as a oh, as a as a, as a gift for God. your uh, for your hundredth episode. That's uh, the news I present to you. Man, the clouds <laughs> are parting. Just what is it? Uh, seven and eight games. I, I got to see what they're doing tonight. And uh, Jack Flaherty looks like uh, the type of pitcher when I wrote him up five yeah, years yeah. ago for pitcher list. Uh, no, they lost tonight, so that's that's great. Um, but yeah, seven of seven of nine. I'll take that with how rough we started and pitching has been what we need all along. So Liberator, that is absolutely great news. Um, man, that's, that's, uh, it's fun listening back. I'm curious, Steve, from your standpoint, I know we rattled through some of, some of the guests, but, uh, any other moments kind of stand out to you on, on the hundred episodes that you want to hit on. One that came to mind is Adam Howe guest, co-hosted uh, yeah. for pretty much uh, every wedding situation yes. that we had so extra shout out that, to Adam that was that. that was actually what i was going to bring up and we actually i don't know if we've done it with the three of us on maybe we did one with adam with the three of us but adam has fil- filled in i think on your bachelor party or, or your wedding my wedding my bachelor honeymoon. party yeah honeymoon yeah uh yeah. he's basically filled in for all of our important life events like the only time that we've ever taken off from the show adam has has come in which has um been super helpful and obviously like you said in the beginning of the show it's been great uh doing this under him and you know asking him for all of our advice and him setting us up as you know uh, i messed around with podcasts before but nothing of the production level (laughs) close to this so um I guess just another shout out to Adam for for walking us through and helping us become uh, a podcast that's able to reach a uh, hundred episodes, which is uh, awesome. It, it really is, and yeah, you guys uh, tuning in. We, we always leave the door open, but by all means, if if you guys have topics or anything you want to throw at us to to talk about on the show, uh, it's always welcome. You guys can email us windsabovefantasy at gmail dot com, or of course. Hit us up on Twitter, as always. But, uh, Steve, that said, I know we were kind of cruising through some of the victory lap uh, items uh, on that playback. But one fun little segment we were going to do is is you come up with an all-wins-above-fantasy team by position, and then I would do the same, and we can kind of mix and match. But we kind of did this in a vacuum and blindly, so I'm curious where you landed, and then I can rattle through mine. But why don't you give me your... You're all WAF team as we're now two and a half seasons into this. It's funny. Uh, I know we, we when you, when you came up with the segment, we didn't want to tell each other uh, the, the players that we would name, but everyone that you named, like I considered naming <laughs> at some point. So it's like pretty funny. It's like, oh, I had him and, the, and they just changed it. But yeah, we got um, our guys. For to sure. go around the horn, I guess, you know, and this is just like guys that we sort of planted flags on that we not necessarily sleepers or anything like that, but just guys that we were by lows. We that talked about Yeah, we talked yeah, about yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, that worked out well. Obviously, we could do a all-negative WAF team, too. Uh, but whatever. We're not going to scour the uh, 
the old tapes and, and put together a mashup for all the time where we look dumb. But hey, I think we'll do that I on think episode two hundred. Yeah, we'll yeah. do the we'll do all the time. I, we look I like think fools. I think yeah. we look better more often than than not. And if we weren't, I think we were pretty accountable, which I guess we we said was the goal of this podcast, right? Uh, well, and I, I mean, yeah. honestly, too, and we try to do this. We try to we try to put disclaimers, but a lot of kind of the names I was cherry picking and, and looking into. There also were a handful where it's like, you know, uh, here's this guy, uh, you know, Justin Steele, and it's a good name to watch right now. And it's just that's as far as we took it. You know what I mean? So I yeah, think that's for sure. As much as anything, it's like healthy, watchless guys or conservative, like see what they do their next start type mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, but but yeah, not to steal your thunder. Steve, yeah, you're about to go around the horn. Yeah, so let's do it. We'll go position by position, right? Uh, what do you want to do? You want to do my my team first? We'll we'll go through it. Yeah, yeah, you right. go through the the full slit. All right. So at catcher, I had Jonah Heim. Um, I remember you hyping him up after his two homer game, and then I think there was a game where he hit like another one right to the wall and homer like four games in a row, and now is looking even better. Um, a quick aside. Um, it's yeah. it's funny how you, how you backed him quick too. You it, backed him quick too, though. It's uh, it's funny how some of these guys have taken like a year. Uh, it's pretty funny how how that's happened. But um, uh-huh. first base, uh, I had to go with your boy Vinny Pasquantino. Uh, and your account is Vinny Pasquantino up yet? Not your account, but the one that you followed. <laughs> Uh, right. And then the saga of you dropping him right before he got called up, and then oh, the struggles God, and us man. sticking with him. I blocked it up. Yeah. yeah, we were we were right on him like a few times. You know, we we were hyped about him. We we stuck with him after people were panicking. So that's a highlight mm-hmm. for me. Um, second base, I had to go with probably I think maybe your best call, just considering how probably. good in year one. In year yeah, one, yeah, yeah. like. People were in on Marcus Simeon. He had a rough uh, 2020, the shortened season, and then kind of picked it up and was written off after that um, really good 2019. And then what he popped for 42 homers in 2021 is like a, a mid-early rounder, uh, and you were all in on him, which was good. Um, third Back ba- on the home league yeah. this year. Yeah, same, he, same, same for it, me. So, same yeah. for me. Same for me. There we go. Yeah, we're somehow yeah, a Simeon We're a Simeon pod. podcast, yeah. Uh, third base, I feel like this is probably our favorite guy, and it's it's nice that he's on the streak that he is right now. Uh, Nolan Arenado, he homered again tonight. I think that's five oh straight gosh, games. That's like five or in six, a row. five or six, yeah. Um, so yeah, goodbye, um, by low window. I wish I would have traded for him in, in more leagues. It was, um, but we do have him in our dynasty league, and our dynasty league is doing. Really, really well right now. We're we're shooting up yeah. the standings, which is. Uh, I I heard on the radio, like driving home today, a, a interview with him that it just surprised me because he's such a veteran. He said that he had fallen into some like really bad swing habits, mm-hmm. and that he did a ton of cage work and just worked through it. I know there was some like just just rumblings. I think we talked about Frank. I, I think I heard Frank Stanfill. He's brought up when he got hit in the hand. I think it was during the WBC, and if that was affecting him, and I kind of thought that would be what he would say and he was basically saying i fell into some really bad habits and had to work through it but holy smokes like what a way to work through it to five homers in five straight games that's incredible yeah um it's it's crazy how a guy like nolan arenado can develop bad swing habits but that goes to show you like guys like that you just gotta sort of stick with it 
Yeah, um, it makes me feel better about my golf game, to be honest. <laughs> like, it's just like there is a way forward for me, man. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. Um, short, this one was tough for me. I, I don't know. Uh, I went with Wander Franco just because I was in on him last year, and now it looks like he's taking the, the, the breakout. Uh, that was a tougher one for me. I don't know why. we. It was. Yeah, we haven't we haven't really yeah, spiked the shortstop yeah. guy for WAF yet. Uh, outfield was easy. There was way too many guys. Uh, this mm-hmm. is another similar story, but. I, I think he deserved to be on the team, whether he was having a good year or not so far. But Jared Kelnick, I feel like we falsely led the hype train too early for him. But hey, if you if you Dude, got him, we in, talked. Yeah, it was like six episodes in a row. Yeah. Like those early episodes, it was all Kelnick, and yeah, that's like poster boy of we were probably just too early. But I guess even the whole still, was, and right? and maybe this could be a lesson learned for last year. But there was a reason why we were hyped up on him. So like at basically when he was free this year, it probably should have been like a a, a, target, a bigger yeah. target for us just because like, well, hey, and we it's were, process. Yeah. Like, you know, you've, you've done that with Keston here, honestly. And it's like, yeah. you know, sometimes you get a true, Keston here, sometimes you get a Kelman. Yep. You're, you're right there. Um, my last two outfielders are our boys, Lars Newbar and Stephen Kwan. Um, pitchers were, were also kind of easy. I feel like I'm, I'm leaving some out, uh, but McClanahan, Javier, Sisu, I feel like we were big on last year too. Um, you especially, yeah. That was the the, the McClanahan Cease yeah, yeah. combo call from you last year. Was, was uh, nice. yeah, that that's Chef's kiss for sure on on that what pick like eighty five to one ten. If yeah. you had McClanahan and Cease, you, you were set on pitching, yeah. At, at yeah, winning your league, yeah. yeah. Um, this one I, I got by going through some of our old tweets and episodes. Uh, Luis Castillo, you you were banging the drum a lot on. I think it was last year uh, or or twenty twenty one when he started really really slow, um, and we were just continuing to hype him up as a buy low, and it got to the point where it was like close to June, where he usually has like a bad April, and then turns around and was like, all right, maybe this isn't happening, and look yeah. at what he's done over the last two years and become a true fantasy ace. So um, Luis Castillo, I think was a, was a good call. And then the guy that we were um, in on a lot last year, and I think, uh, again, this year, where there maybe wasn't as much hype as there should have been, but uh, Joe Ryan uh, rounded out my rotation. Um, Closer, the guy you highlighted uh, in that that beautiful mashup you did there. But Evan Phillips so far uh, looks like a a good late-round target for saves uh, this year so far. Yeah, definitely. The fact that he didn't have the established role and betting on the talent was it's kind of an underlying theme for sure and i know you've you've evolved my my fantasy approach on uh waiting on pitching uh you know kind of banking on talent or or, uh you know also just kind of that stuffist mentality i used to be a little bit more in on that like kyle hendrick's stability mold and now I'm guns blazing for the the guys who who have the strikeout rates and uh, yeah I th- I think it's it's benefited me on a lot of my leagues so uh, shout out there I mean to, to go through mine you're absolutely right we're on the same page uh, Jonah Heim at catcher although realistically if we're talking about volume of talking about them it's got to be my worst call of Yasmani Grandal Grandal yeah we we yeah, were he, we were all, all in our Grandal yeah yeah and. Uh, didn't work. Didn't quite work out. But I do think across all three seasons, I think we have nonstop banked Paul Goldschmidt as a, a guy to buy in on. 
and it's easier to forget now because he's been so good the past couple of years. But there was a lot of like speculation, you know, after his cold first year mm-hmm. with the Cardinals, and then he had the slow start mm-hmm. as well in uh, in twenty one. So yeah, we were we were in on the bounce back. We bought into all of the the underlying metrics, even though it had lasted long enough to where a lot of people were worried. And he's been an absolute beast. And I feel like we've we've kind of been there on each season saying like, oh, this is not a third round guy. Like you need to push him up the board and everything. I feel like we were there again this year. Like he was a mid to late second rounder. And then in season, like even last year, like what? He was like a third rounder. And then it's like, oh, Goldschmidt's performing like the 10th best player, the fifth best player. He's performing like a first rounder. Then the next year we draft him around later. Like, we were we were there again, I think so far. So, um, yeah, I, I had Goldie there too um, in, in that spot as well. So I feel like we but it, yeah we faded the ages ageism well with with Goldschmidt. But if we had a corner infield, I would have thrown Vinny P yeah, on there, there for sure. Yeah, I, absolutely, I still, absolutely. I've got less of him this season than I than I wish that I did have. Uh, I did have Simeon at, at second. Uh, for the banter, I had to throw in Eugenio Suarez. I had I had him at third too for a second. Yeah, I did. I was I did. so out on him our first season, and then last year I was like, I think I'm kind of buying back in. So, <laughs> and I think we even had some some kind of you know parachute shares this year mm-hmm. uh, just for like late late pop. Uh, you know, granted at this point he's got four homers and he's hitting 226, so it doesn't look as good. Uh, I did put Lindor for shortstop. I think we were both in on him. Uh, you were all over the the bounce back when he had the the, the frosty first half. Uh, I guess it was two seasons ago. Yeah, and I think he's having or, or having one week. now yeah. too. I think he's another good. I think he's doing similar um, Lindor type things. I know the power numbers in there, but the slash line isn't. But he's a streaky Could guy. Be, yeah. yeah, I, I, th- I think another yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and last year, I mean, I, I, I will never forget when I, because I listen to the CBS guys as well, when I was on uh, PitchCon last January, uh, my panel was, was great, but Scott White was on there, and I remember I put for my bounce back target Lindor, and he was like, oh, that's my fade, Van, and I was like, oh, here here we go. I got nice, to go nice. toe-to-toe with Scott White on this one, and he, he did, though. Yeah. He, he had a nice year last year, so... We should we should do a little deep dive on Lindor on yeah that. yeah uh, let's let's do it yeah uh, Quan Newt Bar those guys are chalk for the outfield uh, cannot overlook that that you were there I know Alex Chamberlain another guest on the pod that that was great talking about vertical approach angle uh, but but he kind of put you on very early of of Stephen Quan but you were targeting yeah. him when his ADP was like five fifty and now Quan is just kind of a you know chalk it up as a, a top 100, 125 pick. Um, waiting for him to turn it on a little bit this yeah, season. The yeah. Guardians, I think they have statistically the worst offense. But uh, the last one I threw out there was Jesse Winker because I do feel like we've we've never been able to quit him in a way. Yeah, uh, This season is yeah. a sleeper. I know that hasn't looked great, but uh, he, he had that incredible first half with the, with the Reds, I think it was. Um, and then last year we were kind of interested as well. So I threw Winker in there as well. Pitchers, I had McClanahan, had Christian Javier. I did throw George Kirby yeah. on there because I think we both were, were talking him up in the uh, preseason and and we got some shares as well. 
And then Monty, I think, was a great one last year. Part of that's the the New York, Midwest, uh, St. Louis connection there. So I was in on that. And then uh, Justin Steele, I think, has been a fun one because going back to the very beginning, it was like, oh, hey, there's this guy out here. What do you think about him? And then it's another guy that it seems like like Goldschmidt, every stop of his kind of growth as a player, when we've assessed him, we've been like, yeah, we like Steele. Um, and now he's really putting it all together. I'm curious what Steele, just because we're talking about it, what Steele did tonight. I not think gr- uh, I mean, not great. Um, five runs, but eight Ks and one walk. Uh, versus the Astros, I mean, honestly, I, I would take that. Yeah, the, yeah, the 750 ERA is not, not great, great but, but it's showing that he's, yeah. Yeah, I'd start basically Steele pretty much everywhere, maybe except for course. He's become, I think, that reliable for me. Yeah. And then uh, for relief pitchers, I put punt. Nice, I like it. Because yeah. I feel like that, that, you know, whether or not we'd admit it, uh, unfortunately, has been, at least early on, our strategy on, like, don't pay for saves. Yeah. Uh, I think we invested a, a little bit more this season Mm -hmm. but uh yeah fun fun running through it uh i hope all the listeners got a kick out of episode 100 here uh yeah and i think the takeaway steve is just you know uh again another thank you to the listeners we wouldn't do this if if everybody didn't tune in uh reading some of the the reviews or getting tweets from people is it always makes my day when, when that comes along. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to say an extra thank you to each and every listener out there. Uh, it is very much a, a privilege to be able to talk baseball uh, with you, Steve, and, and with our listeners tuning in. So all, all good good times, and here's to uh, the next hundred. Yep, exactly. I took the words right out of my mouth. I could not... Uh... Be more appreciative of having you doing this, and then most importantly, obviously, the listeners too. Um, it's been a super, super fun ride, and you know, like I said, I couldn't even picture ever doing a hundred episode just because, like, it was so far from my mind of you know not knowing what this would become, what this is, and to now it being so routine and just part of my life, and 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 doing this each week, like. I've never gotten tired of doing this, which is impressive in itself. Um, I I look forward to it every week. Like, you know, I love even when the prep, even when you got to mix in the prep. Exactly. Actually, like on the mic, it's actually become uh, very much like an escape. You know, it's like uh, if only this could be a full time day job. It really is a lot of fun, just like getting in the seat. So. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I know we ran long on this one, but hopefully you guys enjoyed looking back with us. And also the players were kind of assessing, looking into adding. Uh, But that wraps us up for episode 100. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at WindsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore Verified. And Steve is at Stav8818. But that wraps us out. Steve, you want to do the honors on the sign-off here? Yeah, thank you for talking baseball with us for 100 episodes. Talk next week. Thanks, guys. It's been a blast.